what's going on welcome to the show this is sports with strawberry ice i'm your host the ice man jeff trunnipole and as always i'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of cincinnati ohio home of jackpot joey burrow and the afc champion cincinnati bengals now do me a favor if you found the show hit that like and subscribe smash that thumbs up I'm up to 1,535 subscribers on YouTube. That is awesome. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. Now, if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, please do so. Please go to Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for the notification. Every time I go live, you'll be notified because I'm trying to get to 2,000 subscribers. Hopefully, by the time football season rolls around so tell your friends tell your neighbors about sports with strawberry ice on youtube also exclusively in the youtube chat crew we're doing super chats so if you want to make sure 
Like your comment gets read, or you want to support what I'm doing, give me a super chat. I would greatly appreciate it. And as always, I'm coming to you live from the ice cave. And the ice cave is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. So what's up to everybody in the chat crew? Dale, what's going on? Foxy, Richard, Josh. Jeffrey, what's up? What's up? And first off, Richard wants to know uh, what oh, Richard, no, Foxy. Yeah, talking about the trade today. The trade was Tyreek Hill got traded to the Miami Dolphins for a whole lot of picks. And yeah, um, and he got more money, you know, <laughs> a lot of money. So the, uh, excuse me, the Chiefs, sorry, I'm doing a lot of things at one time while I try to talk. It's kind of discombobulate me sometimes um but chiefs got i think right now got worse but they got a lot of picks a lot of picks they got like 12 picks i think in this in this draft i think i, I read like something like that so they could get some players and and get better and get better quickly now see this is what might happen when jackpot joey burrow gets paid 500 million dollars or whatever he's gonna get paid here in a couple years but hopefully he goes the tom brady route and takes a little less money so he can pay some more players but we'll see what happens. So I got a great guest today. He's part of a new podcast called Rally Around the Natty. They recorded their first episode last night. They will be putting it out there tonight at some point. So he's been on Bengals and Brews show. I, I met him there. We had a good conversation. I figured I'd bring him on my show. We talked some Bengals. None other than, that's right, I said again, Santori Miles. <laughs> I look so much better in that thumbnail I have online, man. <laughs> uh, my hair was so much better back then. <laughs> I got nothing now. Oh, you look so pretty right now. You just just immaculate. <laughs> Thank you. So what's going on, man? You know, I just got off work. Ready to talk some Bengals. I'm I'm feeling good. You oh, know, yeah. a little energized from that trade today, like everybody else in the chat is. Right, it's dude. Wild. I mean, uh, dude, well, we can talk about that the, the trade here real quick because I, I I work at nights. And I got up and I start checking my phone and everything. I turned TV on NFL Network. And then the first thing I know, if I never pops up, Tyreek Hill traded. I'm like, what? I was like, holy crap. My first thought is, why? And second thought is, okay, you know, you start knocking the cobwebs out from sleeping. You know, like, all right, well, Patrick Holmes is making however much money Patrick Holmes is making. They can't afford everybody, <laughs> which is what happens. As I'm in Seattle, Seattle got Russell Wilson got all that money. Then they couldn't, couldn't afford people. So this is actually, I think, uh, a kind of a smart move, I think, for Kansas City because, I get, like I said, I think they have 12 total picks in this draft. I mean, Miami, they're spending some money. They better hope Tua is actually good. That's <laughs> all I got to say because they got Armstead and now they got Tyreek Hill. So, I don't know. What's, what's your thoughts on, on, on the trade? The trade itself, um, you know, I, I go back and forth with this. I always say that I would much rather have a bonafide player as opposed to a bunch of picks and prospects, right. regardless of the sport, uh, just because you know what you're getting. But when it's becoming easier and easier to draft in the NFL with all the information that we have, and the fact that they were basically given an entire draft, I don't yeah. know if you know the exact details. But it was a, if you got it them, give one, them to me. One this year, two this year, four this year. Four next year and a six next year. Jeez, that's a whole draft. Wow, a one, a two, two fours, and a six. Nobody cares about the seventh. 
Let's be honest. Right. A lot of times that's just a throw in for a swap of value. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, that's, I mean, you, you could argue that all five of those picks aren't going to equal to the type of player that Tyree kill is. Cause he's one of a kind, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. if I'm getting five picks yeah, and I don't have to pay that salary. Right. And my quarterback's already Patrick Mahomes. You would think I could probably find the value somewhere else. So, well, and I, the thing too is that this draft is very, very deep in wide receiver. It is. It it's is very um, deep. That's it's the deepest it's ever been. That's why I keep telling people as far as the Bengals go, I'm not worried about wide receiver until fourth, fifth round. You know, you, you know, you can because all we need is a guy who could be our fourth wide receiver and hopefully maybe uh, return punts or kicks as well too. Too. Right. And the other thing about that trade though is he'll sign the extension on the back end, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Four years, one twenty. For those of you that are not super ept in terms of contract, a lot of people get focused on the numbers, right? Don't focus on the number too much because the number is always going to get bigger because the cap always gets bigger. A lot of times what people do when they do contracts is the initial average annual value. So the total big contract number divided by the years. So in this case, it came out to 30 million, 120 divided by four. Quick math for all our mathletes out there. Um, <laughs> that would not be me. Okay. Math don't get along. <laughs> so that's that's thirty million dollars a year. This year the cap is set at two hundred eight, and for reference, that comes out to fourteen point four percent of the cap. Over the past ten to fifteen years, wide receivers' average annual value when signing that big contract mm-hmm. has typically been about ten percent of the cap. So this reset the entire wide receiver market by nearly 50%, and it followed suit just a little bit more, but also what Devontae Adams just got. Mm-hmm. So what's scary for the Bengals is now wide receivers are getting even more expensive. So even yeah. though the cap's going up, which everybody's happy about, they're getting more expensive per cap dollar as well. And, and we that's got two that are gonna... crazy. Yeah, we got two of them that are going to cost us a lot of money to keep both of them. I, at first, I wasn't... Hell, beginning of free agency, I wasn't that worried. I figured we, we we would be able to keep both of them. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Jamar Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Um, now I don't know. It might come down and we have to choose one or the other. I, I hope not. I I think you can keep both. Um, because let's be honest, Jamar's going to get 35, mm-hmm. 35 plus. That's just what it's going to be at the time, and that's going to be about your fourteen percent. So while that number seems crazy, always remember position groups get a certain percentage of the cap. That's why the numbers always look gaudy, but they're always about proportionate to what the cap should be for their position. T, if he stays with the Bengals, will get in wide receiver two money, which will probably be 25 at the time if he leaves, which I think anybody would argue, especially if you've watched the Bengals, that he could get wide receiver one money somewhere mm-hmm. else. Right. Um, he'll be 25 here or 35 somewhere else. Right. And then Burrow, if he doesn't go the Brady route, is looking 55 to 60. So you're going to have some pretty big paydays, and they're going to be coming up really, really fast. Um, a lot quicker that, than people anticipate, too. Right. That that goes to what I've been saying, too, about how I think this, this draft is so important to go uh, defensive heavy because all the free agents that we signed over the last two years on the defensive side, we're not going to be able to keep them all if we want to keep uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Joe Burrow. We're, we're, we got to be able to, to 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 replace them somehow with 
younger, cheaper guys. That's why I think this this draft right here is so important to get depth uh, on defense, especially. Right. When you have a situation that you're in, which is the situation everybody aims to be in, by the way, to have the quarterback, right? right? You need to make a decision. You need to make a decision of whether I'm going to keep paying guys on offense or pay guys on defense. And that's okay. I think it's pretty damn obvious the Bengals are going to try and pay the guys on offense because they're going to want to keep that Joey B, Jamar Chase connection for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah. With that being said, you're going to have to pay the line. The moment you pay a quarterback, receivers, and a line, you have to take money away from somewhere else, meaning your number three receiver, meaning maybe a number two receiver, meaning your running back, meaning your defense. So the decision you have to make is which side of the ball are we going to invest on? Because at this point, it's like you have half of your money to invest. So you invest on the offense in this scenario. Right. The side that you don't invest on, you have to be damn sure that you trust the scheme and the coordinator. Which I think after what we've seen in the playoffs and how Lou shut down Kansas City twice. Yes, sir. um, That you're okay with that. And he's done it with guys that aren't super expensive. They've spent some money over there, but it's not like they've broken the bank over there. Um so I anticipate the Bengals to keep Jamar, keep Burrow, make a really good run at T. I think they can afford it. But the moment they do that, you're going to see some of these defensive guys fall off. So like you said, start start loading up on defense to layer these contracts because right. those are going to be the ones you want to let go first. Well, that's why I'm so impressed with the contracts that the Bengals – the free agent contracts the Bengals have signed over the last couple of years, and it goes along the same lines of what they did this year. They they are very smart contracts. They are guys within you know they're on they're twenty eight to thirty years old. That's the age age range they're in. They're not contracts that are going to break the bank, but they're good smart players and they're good contracts. So for future wise, that that gives us the money to go out and and get the and keep other keep the players we have. But the contracts that we have like Lyle Collins basically. For what I understand, it's a it's a two year contract with a avoidable third year or or a dead cap money third year, however you want to say it. Right. He's they're paying him basically the same amount of money they would have in Dallas, and the, if they if they had traded for him, so they got him for the same amount of money and didn't have to give up a draft pick. That's freaking awesome. No, the Duke Tobin's done a astronomically great job, especially with that deal. Um, but keep in mind, like we said, that's a two-year deal. And I know I see some comments about why are we focusing two, three years from now, but right. you know, that's well, what the that, good teams do. You have yeah, to. Yeah, you have to. That's that's you know, right. I know our window is right now. Yes. But the window right now, if you don't start thinking about it, right, closes in two years. Very, if, if you if, want if that window to stay open, right, you need to start addressing it now. You stay ahead of the curb so you don't end up like Cleveland. Right. Well, this is how this is how New England was able to uh, you know have this long run. With Tom Brady, and this is why Seattle couldn't, because they had all their money invested in Russell Wilson, and then they had nothing behind them. The defense went away; they couldn't afford a defense, and they never had anybody behind them to replace the guys, the great players they had. And that's what happens. That's why I don't want to happen to the Bengals. I don't want you know Joe Burrow to be the only guy we have here, and eventually we trade him because we can't, you know, we can't do anything else like Seattle has to do. So that's where you have to start thinking about this now. Well, and you're also seeing it right now with Kansas City. Yes, with Tyreek Hill's gone yep. now. Yep. I mean, that's they wanted to extend him long term. He probably wasn't going to get thirty a year from Kansas City, right? Because they've given everything and then some in Kansas City to Patrick Mahomes. So you're you're seeing that problem across the league right now. And 
you know, I, I talk about the, the cap percentage. The cap percentage that works for when you can retain your team is when your quarterback's average annual value is around 18 to 19%. We're starting to see quarterbacks now cross that 25% threshold, mm-hmm. which if you have a quarter of your entire resources going to your team, mm-hmm. you can't, you just can't bring everybody back. So yeah. That's why we're, we're hoping Burrow goes the Brady route. Because yes. they've got a lot of really, really, really good pieces. And let's be honest, the last three off seasons, the Bengals have hit on almost every single thing that they've done, with the exception of a couple here and there. So they have true. been like crazy efficient. Uh-huh. That's not going to continue. Be no. realistic. So you need to prepare for the fact that someone's going to leave. You're going to draft a dud. Something's not going to work out. You can't just leave it all on Burrow. You've right, got exactly. to start I mean, building the depth that's ready to come up. And we've seen this the, the Bengals do that already. I mean, in the five-year playoff run, they didn't do any free agency, but they hit on everybody in the draft. They hit on everybody. And then they didn't. And then then Duke missed. And then they didn't have anybody behind them. Because, I, like I said, I've, we, you know this, and every Bengal fan knows this, when Muhammad, Masu, Muhammad Sanu, uh, uh, Witt, Zeitler, and uh, – uh, Marvin Jones all left. There was nobody behind them, so that and that was the beginning of the of the end of our playoff run, and that's what I'm hoping we can avoid this time with there being a lot more smarter with their 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 they're always smart with the contracts, but they have the free agency down really well. I mean, I think they've done a great job as far as like I keep saying the contracts, but they've done it the last couple of years, and those are going to help moving forward to keeping this team together. Well, the other thing that's going to work is if they keep winning. You're <laughs> yeah, get, you're going to get guys to take the old school, outdated structure that the Bengals do, and right. you know they they do. They don't guarantee a whole lot of money past the first year, if ever. But you know, realistically speaking, two years from now, Tyler Boyd might not be here. Joe Burrow might, or not Joe Burrow. Joe Mixon might not be here. Joe Burrow's not here. Two years, we got a problem. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> you know, Mixon and in Boyd. Those are the guys that I'm going to be looking at either as restructures or clear cap. Right. Because I got to keep my line. You know, um, Hubbard might be on that same chop block. Depending what Hendrickson does, he's going to be on that chop block. There's a reason why the Bengals structure contracts the way that they do. It's because they know they're not going to be able to keep everybody. And a lot of these guys, whether you want to admit it or not, are buy low, sell high kind of guys. Hendrickson signed a one guaranteed year here. Because he was more or less a one-year wonder with some injury history. No one was willing to give him that big deal like Carl Lawson got. Right. Whether it's the same dollars, it's how it's structured. We heard that with Willie Anderson. The Bengals structure things in case, you know, hey, if this works, great. If not, I can get out of it. Right. There's a okay. lot of I can get out of it contracts across this team right now. What's the thing they started like two two years ago is the, the voidable years. They never did that before. No, until, they, they until had like two years ago. So that's a new thing that they they started to do is start to, uh, to adapt to what everybody else in the NFL is doing. And another thing they've start adapted to is cutting players while they're still on a contract because they would never cut players like Trey Hopkins. I feel really yeah, bad for Trey Hopkins because he 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 fought his butt off to come back and play for us. And Trey Wayne, who was sorry, is a bust. It didn't it didn't work, but they cut both of them, which it, they had to do. Those well, things it, they wouldn't do before. It's the nature of the beast. If you're going to go out and play the free agency game you're going to have to have dead money at some point. And, you know, the, to your credit, when I was in high school, I think there was like five straight years the Bengals had the least dead money in the NFL. And sometimes it was like $100,000. Yeah. 
of mm-hmm. dead money that that's nothing it's because they would always let these contracts expire they would never cut somebody mid-contract to try and move forward you're seeing a different approach with this front office over the last three years specifically mm-hmm. with void years cutting guys drafting guys going out and spending money in free agency whether it's front-loaded or not they're still getting guys in exactly. and that that bodes very well moving forward exactly and i question it from matt and he says, uh, will we still be under the cap after free agency this year? Yeah, I think so. I don't yeah, see why we yeah. wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be under. We're still going to be under it even after we, we sign all of our, our draft picks, too. So uh, we're still we're, – we're spending money, but we're still – I don't see the Bengals are ever be at the tippy, tippy top because, again, they're being smart about their contracts, and that has a lot to do with doing the, the salary cap game or however you want to call it, you know. Getting up there, but not spending beyond it. It's it's how you structure stuff. How you it's guaranteed money up front. You know, you get that up. That gets off the books quickly. The player gets the money. It's off your books. It only one year salary cap hit, so it doesn't keep going on and going on. So that, that's the thing that the Bengals, I think, are doing a really really good job of. Right, and a lot of that is it kind of gets into the cash versus cap conversation. I don't know how well versed you are in that, um, but Andre on. On Twitter, Parada. Parada. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to get him he's, on, on the show. He's he's he awesome is, at it. He's yes. excellent at yes. it. And, you know, he and I have had a lot of conversations with it. Um, the biggest way to avoid going over the salary cap is to do these, you know, the big signing bonuses and the roster bonuses because you can spread those out, right? right. That's where those void years come into. And the way the Bengals have been structuring their contracts, the way they've been doing the signing bonuses, the way they've been putting in void years lately – there's a reason why they're still under the cap. And, you know, when you start doing that, though, that's when you get into the dead money situation because you are going to have guaranteed money on that last year. Whether that player's received it already as cash or not doesn't matter. It's still going to come off on the cap. Um, so that's where some of the dead money's coming in. But at the end of the day, you need to have some risk if you want to win. And if your risk is a couple dead million, so be it, man. Right. I mean, you're. you're you're a multi-billion-dollar organization. <laughs> right, exactly. That's a sneeze out of your pocket. Exactly. Um, and you know the, the Bengals are very smart, like you said. They typically save about ten million dollars on their threshold to roll over. They save about two million dollars for in-season stuff, and then you can sign most of your rookies with three million dollars or less after the cash. Um, and last I saw, they're somewhere hovering around like 13.5 to 14 million. So they're probably just about done with mm-hmm. their spending, but they've got like 60 plus guys on the roster. They haven't drafted anybody yet. There's no undrafted free agents. There's going to be cap casualties after the draft. I don't expect too many more moves in free agency. Maybe a couple small guys here and there, like a Trey flowers. Yeah. That's who I like, um, I like to see him next. I, I like right. to get him next. And then hopefully since Larry O unfortunately didn't fail his physical. Now you were talking about this off the air. If he comes back, it would be a, again, a one year prove deal. And it might not be till later on. It would be, you know, if, if he would be, in my opinion, he'd be forced to take a one year prove deal. And if you're going to take a one year prove deal again, you might as well come back to the Bengals and do it there. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I can't see anybody at this stage giving him a multi-year contract. I think he's going to get a one year prove it deal somewhere regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we said, off air, I don't think he's going to get any kind of a deal until after the draft. If there's a position this draft is moderately deep in, it's interior defensive line, that three-tech position that he plays. Um, 
So I could see a lot of teams, you know, just going through the draft, seeing what they can get. Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's be honest. If you're looking at the draft right now and you've got all these three techniques and even some zero techniques, you might be able to slide over or some of these really crafty, you know, bigger edge rushers that you could bump down. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go with a young guy like that who's going to cost you $250,000 or whatever right. it is? Right. Or do you want, and, you know, I, I love Larry with all my heart. He was one of my favorite players. Do you want to pay damaged goods? Because, I mean, he got $6 million last year. I don't know if he's willing to take a pay cut. He might, but even if he takes a, a 30% pay cut, that's still 10 times more than the other guy. Right. So it's, he would yeah. be he would be a late addition. Uh, he would be somebody I'd definitely keep my eye on for like a a June return, maybe a mm-hmm. May return. So because mm-hmm. you know that there's that cap date of June first. Week before, week after, I could see something happening there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, uh, William House here, and th- this kind of where I'm at. Uh, he said, "Do you think the Bengals will go for a cornerback at 31?" I, I'm I'm thinking there's most likely going to be a cornerback because I think all the, the defensive tackles or the offensive linemen that they might be interested in are going to be gone. To be honest, and Daniel Jeremiah for the NFL Network did his mock draft or 3.0 mock draft, whatever the hell he called it. And he had us, uh, I can't remember the kid's name, but drafting a the uh, cornerback out of Clemson at 31. So I would not be surprised. If, and, I, the, and the other thing I wouldn't be surprised is if the Bengals just trade back and trade out of it and get more picks. Yeah, the Bengals really do try to do a BPA, um, best player available, which I, if you follow me on Twitter at all, I pound the table for that. And I was pounding the table for that two years ago, and we still had a billion roster spots to fill. And people are like, you know, we, we've got needs. I'm like, I don't care about needs. That's how you reach and end up with a Billy Price situation. I don't, yeah. It's not my fault you didn't fill your needs yet. Right. Get, get talent. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, as for 31, I would put a lot of money on it that it's at least going to be defense. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. There, there's a lot of rumblings from inside the building and outside the building that it's it's defense. And, you know, what the Bengals have done the last few years, and this is the smart way to do it, the the draft is going to be one side rich. Free agency typically is the other side rich. It just works out like that. The years that they've gone heavy in defense and free agency, they've gone offense in the draft and vice versa. What'd they do this year? A bunch of offense. They still have a couple needs in that defensive secondary. I don't like filling needs in the draft, but if it's that position heavy, like corner is, and you've only got one need, like corner is, it would make a lot of sense that it ends up being a corner at 31. Whether that's Booth, the kid from Florida, pray to God that Sauce falls another 25 spots yeah, for whatever reason. Dude, it's not happening. Him, they, got, they got him going to the top five now. There, uh, there's I, I love Sauce. I'm a Bearcat fan. There is no freaking way we're getting No, I, I know I, he's I, not, but you know what I mean. They're, they're, yeah. they're probably going to target a corner. Yeah, um, I, I'm for, with, with, with what Haas says here. Trade back, trade back, and get Kobe. I, I, I'm a big Kobe Bryant fan, and again, I'm a Bearcat homer. But I think Kobe Bryant would be good. And if you trade back and, and get multiple picks, you could fill that room with more corner, more DBs than you actually need. You know, you, you could do that. You could do it by you know just throw a whole bunch of DBs out there to try to find one to be your your second you know cornerback. Oh, I'm, I'm all for trading back. I, I would mm-hmm. trade back every single year, like every other time I'm up. I this is the way that I view the draft. This is my philosophy. The draft is like buying a lottery ticket. You know, if, if you get a first round lottery ticket, great. It's like maybe getting 10 lottery tickets. The second round's like getting five, so on and so forth. Get as many lottery tickets as you can. 
Some of them are going to hit. Some of them aren't. The draft is not a perfect science. There's no one's got a crystal ball. No, right. you know, e- even the best scouts on the planet screw up. You know, even the the best Daniel Jeremiah's and the Mike Mayox. You know, Mike Mayock was just a GM. It didn't right. really How that work do out? well. <laughs> you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. Right. It's, go after high, high talent players. And I would expect the Bengals to double dip. That's kind of what their MO is, whether it's free agency or the draft. If they have a need, they get two or three of those guys. Right. They, they, they really do. So I would expect one in the first round, maybe somewhere around the fourth or fifth. They typically feel comfortable bringing on someone that, like a Deontay uh, Smith, maybe someone that's a little bit of a project, but mm-hmm. really high upside. Right. So I, I would expect someone early, and then I would expect someone um, early on day three for that corner position. Okay. Now let's, uh, we had today, we had the uh, official Lyle Collins, or excuse me, Lael Collins. Lael. So he said you can call him L or you can call him ACLC, whatever. L. Collins uh, press conference today, and I got a couple clips from this, and I, I thought it was kind of interesting. They, uh, Zach Taylor was asked um, how much he was involved in the Lyle negotiations. This is what Zach had to say. Um, just, just it's, it's con- constant interaction, you know, as you go through the negotiating process, and obviously you, you want to add a guy to the mix. You want everything to be right on his end as well. Um, you know, it's it's. I went to March Madness Saturday, and. Uh, where was it? Indianapolis, you know, and so uh, I probably wasn't as attentive to the game as, as I either was, would have been, you know, as I'm taking phone calls and text messages and all that. But at the end of the day, it all came together and, and we're all happy about it. So he was at he was at Indianapolis at the game try, trying to find out what was going on. I seriously doubt he was uh, he was watching the game very much because I was down in Florida. And I was going nuts trying to find out what, what was going on. <laughs> it, was, it was unbelievable. Uh, I was out in West Virginia, and you know, I, my wife's going to kill me for this, but she already did kill me for this. <laughs> we were we were in West Virginia for her aunt's funeral. <laughs> you know, you know, I'll, I'll be that guy. Every chance I got, I was refreshing my phone. Oh, dude, she's I... like, she's like, we are here for a funeral. I'm like, yeah, you know, but we're here. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm in the present, you know, right. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I loved your aunt too, but I got to find out what's going we, on. <laughs> we got some important stuff. And you know, er, er, early on in our relationship, she used to get really, really mad at those kind of things. And then, you know, now it's, you know, we're, we're all kind of doing the potluck after the, the ceremony. And she's looking over my phone going, they signed him yet. I was like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, this is oh, how it is, huh? You're interested too, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at. Bless her heart. I love her to death. Oh my goodness. Now I, I gotta bring up this clip too from from uh from Zach Taylor too. He uh James Rapine asked him um how uh, how much uh jackpot jackpot Joey Burrow was involved in the free agency and uh, you know about his his awesome outfit that he got to wear to the precinct that you or me could not get away with wearing. But this is what Zach had to say about it. You know, Joe's Joe's message to me really has been, what can I do to help during the process? Um, and, and so, again, we utilize him in every way we can because that's that's obviously a big selling point for us is we've got a quarterback that um, is a tremendous player and, and has helped us do a lot of things, and players like being around him. Um, so so Joe's done a great job coming to the dinners, you know, hosting some of the players. Uh, those, are, those are kind of his ideas to get guys over to his place and, um, help do what he can do on his end, bringing those guys close together so they can see kind of the relationships that the guys have on the team. And um, we certainly appreciate that. And he's just been all in on whatever he can do to help. 
were you surprised when he showed up and and what it looked like sweats to to the dinner like daffy duck shirt or whatever it was i i, I stopped being surprised by anything that joe wears you know on any occasion so uh joe's joe man and he can pull off anything yeah, exactly. He can pull off anything. Like I said, it's, it's not anything that you and me could could pull off. But that that to me, I, I just like hearing of how much Jackpot Joey Burrow is involved in trying to get these guys to come here. And and uh, Lel Collins was saying in his press conference today, which I don't think I have a clip of this, but he was saying how many of the Bengal teammates were texting him saying, "Yeah, come on, jump jump on, man. We're you know jump on this ride. We're we're going to go to the Super Bowl. You're the missing piece. We we need you." And how much that meant to him, and that that goes to show again of how how this team is all in. Like, and they, they you can tell it from the beginning of last year when they were all in at minicamp, they were all in for for everything, you know. And then they still are. And to me, that bows that just goes to what the culture and everything that Zach Taylor has built, and that's what he kept trying to say for the two years when we stunk. Yeah, they're they're definitely pulling all in the same direction, and you see that with guys immediately because part of the the Collins negotiation, they had Hayden Hurst in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hayden doesn't know this city from nope. anything, nope. you know, and you know, they had Kappa there. He uh-huh. just got here. You know, they, they had a Karis there. They had all these guys pulling the same direction. And they've only been here a week. Yeah, exactly. They don't know what Skyline Chili is yet, and they're already pulling the same direction. They have to figure out what Skyline Chili is. That that is a must. You have to you have to figure out what Skyline Chili is. That, that, Skyline Chili and Graders and La Rosa's. You have to you have to find those out. So we, we need to send a care package to Lyle so he can he can check that out. But yeah, yeah. But you know, it, one of the other things that you know, it I say it goes unnoticed, but it went very noticed with the whole John from Kenwood thing that happened. <laughs> exactly. Uh, first off, I love that entire saga. And, oh, that was know, awesome. How, how all the memes started come out of like, hey, yeah, you know, Collins is here with me too down at, you know, the, I think the Florence Freedom put yeah. out the thing and too. Florence Freedom had a Cyclones game, Bagel Jim, yeah. Tony Tiger had him with, he, him, with them he and made, everything. He made his way around. One thing that I cannot stand is I can't stand watching pressers for guys when they first sign with a team because they typically say the same four things. You know, I love it here. I love the culture here. The fans are – how do you know the fans are great? You don't know. You've been here 12 minutes. Lyle does. He knows. But when you have a guy who's (laughs) ventured to Kentwood and come back, and he had two or three pretty notable fan interactions there, and then he is kind of laughing about it. Like, yeah, you know, he's out at Lululemon, and people are stopping him. Like, are you going to sign here? Like, He he got talked to on the plane. Yeah, there, there, I mean, there's a guy on the, on the plane. Know. They're ready. Recognize him. Yeah, He's and like, dude, we need you. I think the difference is, and, and you wouldn't think this from an outside perspective, right? But you and I are from Cincinnati. We understand kind of the culture and the the community is here. It's very tight knit, right? Mm-hmm. Unless exactly. you go to Elder, then we don't care. But <laughs> it's That's very West tight, side, baby. <laughs> yeah, very very tight knit community here. So when you have Lael Collins, Lael Collins running around Kenwood Mall, people stopping him, stopping him on the flight, probably stopped him a billion other times. I don't know how much it's going to happen to him in Dallas or New York City. There's a a sense of community and it's not overbearing here. Mm -mm. You know, people just, you know, hey, I'm a fan. Can I get a quick picture? Then they move on. They they understand, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a I'm going to follow you around all day and. It's it's right. a little bit different atmosphere, a different attitude here, and it can be kind of a breath of fresh air if you come from one of these giant franchises like Dallas. So 
you know, being that it's a difference in community, I, I think it was maybe an easy sign, and I think the fans maybe did play a small part in that. Oh, I, I, know- I, I absolutely think they do. And, and one thing that Lyle said, too, is uh, talk about, you know, how he – you know, liked going around the city. He actually stopped by the river and he actually talked to some of the guys that are down there fishing. I, I don't have that clip, but talk about how they're fishing and talk about how, you know, how much they, uh, what size fish they're getting or whatever. And apparently he's a fisherman. He goes, Hey, you never know. Mondays I I'm, I'm might be down there in the river with a pole in the, in the water, in the river fishing. Now I would give Lyle some, some, some information. Don't eat the fish. I don't no, know how I, river. I, I would throw it back. <laughs> Don't, don't touch that water, man. <laughs> if you want to get fish in there, cool. I throw the fish back, though. But the cool thing is, and, and it got, kind of goes to what you're saying how, how about the city. And and Lyle, Lyle, I'm just going to call him L. L liked uh, going to Joe's house, how how chill it was and everything. And and he had some comments on that on his, on his uh, press conference here. Uh, you said my first name is L. Um, but everybody just calls me L, so just call me L or LC. Doesn't matter. Um, I've been hearing some new names like the bodyguard. I kind of like that one too. So, but, uh, but yeah, um, you know, from the jump, uh, you know, just like I said the other day, you know, I felt like, uh, Cincinnati was a perfect fit for me. Obviously just the history there, me and coach Frank and, and obviously just when you look, when you look at that roster, you look the way this team is built. Um, you know, I felt like, you know, we got the best chance to win and win right now. Uh, you know, it's just, it's going it's going to come down to the, the eleven guys on the field, offense, defense, and special teams at all times. So we're just going to have to stick together, uh, work, and and let everything you know show for itself. But you know, I'm just I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to get to work with these guys. Uh, Joe Mixon, uh, what what a hell of a player! What a hell of a running back! Uh, he's definitely one of the guys that also um, made this decision for me, you know, pretty easy, uh, just talking to him, you know, and having that relationship with him already, uh, is great. Anytime you have a relationship with the, with the running back, you know, the type of runner he, he is, and you know, he's, he's just ready to, to cut that thing back to the right. So, you know, I'm excited. All right. So that was the wrong clip, but <laughs> I liked other, it. I like it. Yeah. The other, the, that's I want to play that one next, but anyway, we, we can talk about what he just said there and about how and I put this on a, a a a poll on my on my YouTube channel today. Which Joe is more excited about the offensive line, Joe, Jack by Joey Burrow or Joe Dean, Joe Mixon? And to me, I, the, the poll was it was like eighty one percent said Joe Joe Burrow, but dude, both of them are excited. I mean, like I said, Joe Mixon is actually going to be able to, like Lyle just said, cut back to the right. <laughs> you know, he could. And the thing is, he's going to be able to make cuts. Beyond the offensive line for the first time ever in his career. What a, an amazing concept. Because I don't remember Joe. Well, there's probably been sometimes, not very often, but more often than not, he, they're going to blow holes in this line and he can run through it. So, which I'm going to start rambling here because I just brought me to something else where somebody was saying, I can't remember who it was, was saying, oh, it's saying, um, Tennessee. Was it Tennessee? No. Ah, oh, man. Somebody, some some team in the AFC was was uh the their highest ranked. I cannot remember who it was offhand because they can run the ball and they can control the offensive line. And I'm going, hello, hello, Cincinnati can we can do that now? We we can totally do that. We can like we can run it down your freaking throat now with this offensive line and Joe Mixon. 
I am very new wave when it comes to the run game. Um, and I know that's kind of sacrilege when you have a really good back. Um, but the data speaks for itself on EPA per yards per carry, right? Um, unless you have a fantastic running game, it's not something that you should lean on. Mm-hmm. I, especially in new age football where it's just wide open passing, right? Right. I attribute the run game. I'll use a baseball analogy. To me, it's like having a good changeup in baseball. Um, it, it can help set up some other pitches, it, you know, change to my movement, give you something else to look at. But if you just keep throwing change up after change up after change up, it's going to get smoked. Same with the fastball. So I would use it as a, a complimentary piece and not something to lean on. Um, well, but I point, think I was a case of point, Tennessee Titans, which is good right. right there. Cause they, they are run heavy offense and the Bengals. And I was at that game, went into Nashville and beat them because they well, didn't it, have that explosive play. They never had an explosive play every single year. There's one team that gets to the playoffs by just pound and pound and pound. It, it, there's every year there's one team with a quarterback and a fantastic run game and a really good defense. And every year the pundits are like, they're going to win a Super Bowl. I'm like, no, they're not. They're not going to get out of the second round because they can't. They can't throw the ball. Right. You have you to be able to. You have in this in this day and age. You you have to throw the ball. If we're going to put forty up on you every week, which this year with our and that's one thing people would ask me a whole lot last year. Is when is this offense going to start getting consistent? I said when the offensive line is consistent. This offensive line is going to be consistent. I I almost guarantee you we're going to average forty this year with with the player the players we got. It's it's going to be unbelievable. You have to keep up with us. Right, and and that's why running the ball is kind of a. I'm going to say I'm going to say it's kind of a dumb thing to do, because what's the one thing everybody always talks about when running the ball? It's about ball control and you kill the clock, right? Mm -hmm. When you kill the clock especially early, you're limiting your own possessions. If you're going to run the ball against the team that's going to sling it around the yard like the Bengals, you better be incredibly efficient at scoring because you're taking your own possessions away from you, or you better have an unbelievable defense because the Bengals aren't going to lose any possessions. You're going to be limiting your own. And if you're going to try and play catch up with a run game, I'll take my chances. Yeah, exactly. That's... That's where I'm so – I'm even more – I mean, dude, I'm ready to for football to start now. <laughs> I'm so excited about this team. I was excited about the team last year. I'm even more excited about it this year because we finally got the offensive line and, and, and all, all this stuff. Like, like, look, like I've been saying, all these quarterbacks coming to the AFC and everything, to me it's like the AFC is the varsity, the AFC is the, is the JV. You know, that's – it's not I'm necessarily – it's, it's not a good thing that it's but, so loaded. But I'm not like, scared. I'm not scared I'm at all either. because guess what? Only, you know, let's say I think there's like three teams in the AFC that don't have a legitimate quarterback right now. I uh-huh. went through it the other day. Um, you know, six of them are going to make the playoffs or seven or whatever it is. It's going to get so diluted that you're only going to have to play two or three of these guys in the playoffs anyway, like you would any other year. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I, I guess the regular season – Gets a little bit more competitive. Well, the thing is, it, 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 but it doesn't make it any harder when you make the playoffs. If anything, it goes back to the old adage of you played a harder schedule, so now you're ready. Yeah, yeah, true. But I mean, if the Bengals get the number one seed overall, which that's got to be the goal, get the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, what two games? That's it, right? You're not playing a wild card. It's division, 
and then the AFC Championship game. You know, so then then you're in the Super Bowl. So that that's that's the thing is, you it's going to be tough, but they they have every chance, as good a chance as anybody to get the number one seed this year. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think people understand how important that number one seed is. Oh, it's huge, it's, especially because the number two doesn't get you a buy anymore. Well, well, it's it's one less game. People say that, people say this though. The Titans had had the number one seed. Look where that got them. Yeah, but we just talked about it. They mm-hmm. don't throw the ball. Right, right, right. They, they beat saying, up. That's what people. They beat up on a horrible division that can't stop the run. Right. You know, you kind of limped into the playoffs, and then, you know, they they. I don't, if they'd have ran with Dante Foreman, they probably would have beat us. First, I remember. I remember the ego team got now. in the way. I remember the team now. The guy it was on NFL Network. I can't remember who or, or NFL Radio. The guy was saying now the Indianapolis Colts have Matt Ryan. He thinks they are the number one team in the AFC. And I'm right. like, that's, that's, I'm like, why? He goes, because they can run the ball. I'm like, we can run the ball, but we also got three wide receivers, the, the Migos, who can sling it over anywhere. Plus, you we want, had, I think, a, a very good tight end now, too, in Hayden Hurst. Not do you want to know why? Do you want to know why the Colts won't be a favorite in the AFC right now? Why? Because of Matt Ryan. He's never won. True. Everywhere he's gone. Well, not to three. Gone. <laughs> you know, every, I can't say everywhere he's gone he's been with one team. Yeah, but but but, but yeah, the 28 he, to three, he's never going to get away from that. Well, it's not just that. He chokes all yep. the time. He's had loaded rosters and decent coaches. I know Atlanta kind of gets shit on, but they're not. You know, they're, they're yeah. not a poverty franchise. No. He's never been able to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And the one time, 28 to 3. Mm-hmm. 28. Yep. You're blowing him up. Yep. But, ugh, I mean, it, he's the reason why they won't. He's old, and he's never done it before. Well, Call me a hater, whatever. I, I, I can't look at Matt Ryan and go, yeah, he's the guy. But the thing is, too, if you look at all these power rankings, everybody and their brother is picking Buffalo, which – Hey, Buffalo is good. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying you should pick the Bengals. I'm not saying I'm I'm happy the Bengals are up there. The power rankings to me, you can throw them out the window, like whatever. But what what has Buffalo done? I mean, yes, they 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 got uh Miller, but what else have they done to really improve themselves? They haven't done much to improve. The the thing that they've done though is they've kept a lot of it together. And here's the deal. And this is where I give a slight edge to Buffalo, and it's not necessarily the team as much as it is the location. Mm-hmm. If you've got to play an AFC championship game in Buffalo or Cincinnati, who do you want to have the home field? I don't want to go to Buffalo. I don't want to go to Buffalo. Exactly. Well, I don't want to go to Buffalo just because I want to hear. But if I they're go. if they're neck and neck and they're both at home, it goes to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. If it's on a neutral site, it probably goes to Cincinnati. Because in aside from the Gabriel Davis game, I've never seen Josh Allen just let it rip for 500 yards and just constantly keep going downfield. And, and he did it to Kansas City, who everybody started doing it to at the end of the year. Right, exactly. So his defense wasn't as good as everybody kept saying it was. Buffalo is a good mix, but I don't know if they can. I I, I don't know if they can keep pace on an aired out competition. Because they, they rely so much on the run and so much of Allen to run the ball, too. I think people discredit that a lot. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and like I said, I like I said, you they can pick the Bengals number one. I guess the power rankings, whatever. I, I I mean, I'm happy we're in there. You know, that, that does you know, hey, it's kind of cool to see the, the Bengals up there. But some of these teams that they're picking, I'm going, 
I'm like, I'm just thinking in my head, like, okay, the Bengals just went to the Super Bowl. We fixed our biggest problem. We completely fixed it. You know, I mean, yes, you're going to have a competition at left guard, and most likely I think it's going to be Jackson Carmen. It's going to be Jackson Carmen or Deontay Smith at left guard. I think it's going to be Jackson Carmen. But that's it. You have one hole, maybe, uh, you know, a left guard. The rest of them are solid. So you went from a, a crappy, you know, offensive line to a top 10 offensive line. And you're taking this, this team who went to the Super Bowl and has all these offensive weapons and now has a top 10 offensive line, and they're only going to be ranked fourth. And the teams that they beat the year before are, one, have gotten all worse. The Bengals have gotten better. So why are we four? I mean, I'm, like I said, if they want to put us at four, that's that's fine. I just I don't understand the the their thought process. The only thing I can really think of, and but this goes into consideration with every single team in the NFL, is how lucky the Bengals were injury wise last year. Yeah, that's it. You're I mean, right. It, yes. But anybody can get hurt. Anybody can stay healthy. You know the difference in, in I, it's rare that a team goes to the Super Bowl and brings just about every single person back. The Buccaneers did it, right? Right. But what derailed the Buccaneers? They were a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, they they had some injuries. Yeah, true, true. You know, so I've said that, too, is that the the Bengals are not going to be. Hopefully they will be. But most likely, like you just said, they're not going to be as healthy this year as they were last year. And that goes to my point again. As far as driving heavily on defense and stuff right. for our our depth and and people are like oh well we need depth in the offensive line. The cool thing is about what we went through this past year. You need depth these, everywhere. Well, yeah, but but these guys we got Deontay Smith, Jackson Carmen, Akima Denji. If they bring up back Fred Johnson, whatever Hill, all these guys that they have now have experience. So you know, so if Frank Paul puts them in there, he knows what they can and can't do. You know, he, he knows if I put him into this position, what they're going to do. That to me is depth that that helps your depth right there with those right. guys. And those guys get shit on a lot. But I want people to think about this from a slightly different perspective. Carmen was a rookie with a herniated disc in his back. I don't think a lot of people know that he had a messed up back the entire season. Right. Bad back. Identity mm-hmm. coming off injury, arguably rushed back from injury. Right, these guys are young. I, I put it out there the other day. Carmen's going to be twenty-two. Adenogy's like twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Fred Johnson just turned twenty-five. Whether mm-hmm. he comes back or not, I don't know. They might sign him and cut yeah, him. I don't know. That, that whole minutes. thing. I don't. I don't know what they're doing with him there. <laughs> well, I think it's been weird. But the these guys that played in the Super Bowl last year that call it what it was, they got their ass handed to them. They weren't ready, and they weren't supposed to be in there. But you can't take that rep and that experience away from them. That right. only helps them get better. Those are guys, and anybody will tell you this, any offensive line coach in the history of NFL will tell you this. It takes two to three years for these guys to finally take the big jump to be a competent guy. Right. You know, Jonah Williams is kind of in that spot now, and he had a he had a good year. He gave up more pressures well, he than I would have liked. Too, he finally had a healthy year, yeah. which is technically year three. But right. I expect him to have a pretty damn good year next year because that's his mm-hmm. third actual year of playing right. time. Right. Right. If we're going off of that logic, Carmen's got a year and a half before I really am considering him a bust. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's a round two pick who was hurt and he's changing positions. Deontay Smith's a project. The last time the Bengals brought in a project and it really, really, really worked. No, I said Deontay Smith, Maddie, calm down. <laughs> CJ Uzama was a project. Yep. You know, it took him, a, took him like seven years to figure right. it out. Yeah. But you know, it, 
it happens at a slower pace for offensive line. And those guys not only were young, not only in different positions than they should have been. Carmen, a right guard coming from left tackle, Adenogy was a tackle playing guard, right? They're now put into a position, especially Isaiah Prince. This was really the first time he had a ton of NFL experience. Right. Against the Rams in the yep. Super Bowl? Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They're going to get their ass beat. Of, <laughs> of, of course they are. Yeah. Like, it's it's not even – it's that point being. They weren't ready. It's not like they suck. There's just – there's a learning curve, and right. they're in the middle of the learning curve. It probably – it's not going to get any harder than that. That That's that's kind of my – that, that, yeah, that's where I'm like – our backups are, are – are, better i mean that than we had last year our backups last year were rookies and, right and the, so the, the the leap a guy can make from year one to year two in the nfl is huge i mean right look, so look, look if these guys work. if these guys have a healthy off season and they have another six months to develop and then they're in backups and they're getting regular backup reps and they get actually developed the way that they're supposed to those are really good backups mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you don't have exactly. to go out and sign veterans the three and four million dollar deal if your backups are guys that are, have gotten reps before and know the system and are under the tutelage of a frank pollock you'll be okay can what? you put all three or four of them out there at the same time and say let's no. go no you absolutely can't can jackson carmen come in and play left guard when the other four guys are doing their job yes if right. someone else gets hurt and he's already been you know, getting acclimated the whole year, and now a Deontay Smith has to come in, and it's one other spot. I don't like it, but yeah, he's probably ready at that point. Well, it's I a think, significantly too, different scheme aspect at this point, right? And the thing is, too, is these guys can actually take it, take a breath, and and the, take time to develop, as long as everybody stays healthy. Because, because I mean, eventually Don, Deontay Smith could be our, our right tackle. Hill could be our our center. I'm not saying they're going to. I have no idea. You know, identity could be a tackle. I mean, these guys, they're, they've shown enough flash, I think, that they could potentially do it. Now now they have guys in front of them where they're not forced to do it. So they can take their time and develop. Like you said, it took it, it takes you know a couple of years to develop an offensive line. One of the hardest positions to go from college to the NFL is offensive line. So it takes two to three years. Well, it, it's one of the positions that misses more than anybody. When you look at like percentage of positions that are hit or miss on a draft, offensive line is one of the biggest misses because it take one it takes so long to develop, and a lot of people don't have the patience. Just call it what it is. I mean, right. you look at teams like the Giants; they have a coach for one year, they fire him. Right. I mean, okay, so now now you expect me to let that organization develop somebody for three years? Mm-hmm. Offensive line is a lot like a baseball prospect. You can't just you know, draft a kid out of college right. and go, all right, right. let's go Play hit. Boy. Let's no, go. Yep. It is yeah. the, the <laughs> jump is yes. remarkable. It's it's one thing if you're a corner and, you know, you're an SEC corner and you're going against guys like a Jamar Chase every single day. But most defensive linemen in college football are bad. They're, they're really bad. They're there because of their size, their speed. They've got tools. They've got traits that hasn't worked. They haven't developed. But they're big enough to get in the way, and they're not really having to stop the run. The NFL is about five to ten years behind college to where it's just the way play calling is and the way mm-hmm. schemes are. Mm-hmm. Defensive linemen are – if offensive line's the number one hit, defensive line's got to be the number two biggest miss. You know, it's – and then so you've got these offensive linemen that have trained 
for four years against the shit of the shit. And then, okay, here comes Chris Jones. Who's the cream of the crop. It's Mm -hmm. the, the jump is so drastic that it, you've got to get these reps and they've got to train in camp and they've got to train in practice. You can't go baptism by fire in the trenches. It doesn't work that way in the NFL. It's, it's too difficult. Now Matt says here, unless it's Georgia or Alabama. Well, that's, um, uh, ask uh, Trey Hill. Yeah. I would say, yeah. Ask Trey Hill. And then, and then Jonah Williams, those are both, that's Georgia, Alabama. And neither one of them. Now Jonah got hurt his first year, but yeah, Trey Hill, he, he missed calls. You know, he, he got, he mm-hmm. had what they call, uh, you know, brain farts or whatever. And being a center, you can't have that, <laughs> you know? So it doesn't matter what school it is. It's going from the offensive line of college and the offensive line of the, in, in the NFL is, is to be the hardest jump that you have to make. I mean, let's talk about Lyle Collins here. I mean, Lyle Collins was, was undrafted. It's not like he started out with the Cowboys and plugged and played right at right tackle. He came in at right guard, and he didn't even – I don't think he played that much his first year. His second, third year, that's when he started started playing more. Well, he came from an LSU, LSU system mm-hmm. that I believe still had less miles at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was about as pro-complementary system as you can possibly get. And, you know, he's a stud, and he went undrafted. He went undrafted for other reasons. Call it yeah, what it is. right, right. But, you know, he – they're, they're still learning, even for the systems that are almost plug and play. Yep. It's still, uh, I don't know. That's why it was such a big risk for the for the Bengals to take that chance on Jax Karma last year. I, I'm okay with the pick from last year. I would have wished they would have signed Zeitler or somebody. That's why it's a there. risk. That's why it's a risk to take a need in the draft. Right. Exactly. Yes. In general, yes. any position, unless it's like a punter, you right. know. But <laughs> you know, it's. The only time I think you should ever really draft a need is a quarterback, right? And, and that's well, it. even then it doesn't mean you're gonna you're gonna. No, hit. I mean that. Yeah. I mean that. I I do a lot of shadow drafting. I do a lot of scouting. I've kept track of, you know, all of my boards for the last fifteen years. I, I, I've done this since I was probably thirteen years old. I love it. I'm a draft freak. If you want to. You know, talk to me during draft season, whatever. Like, I'm I am, gonna have to have you if I if I do a draft show. It. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to have you have have to have you on for sure. But if I do a draft show, I'm still thinking about it. But my point being, 2011, the Bengals did not have a quarterback. Carson mm-hmm. just decided to do what Carson Palmer was gonna do. Right. If you follow me, you know I I love Carson Palmer with all my heart. Um, I used to. <laughs> but we went into that draft and. You know, everybody's like, oh, you know, they might take that receiver. And I was like, no, don't take the receiver. You need a quarterback. Right. Like, you, you need a quarterback. And, you know, number one on my board that year for the Bengals was Blaine Gabbert because he was like, I didn't expect Cam Newton to be there. So I take the expectation off and I go, okay, who's the next guy down? And it was Gabbert and then Dalton. And then they didn't take Gabbert. And I was like, damn it. Like, I really wanted that. That would have been an absolute disaster. <laughs> yep. right. e- even for people that do this all the time, and I wasn't the only one. Gabbert was way up there on a lot of boards. Yeah, he was. Now, yeah, yeah, he, he was he's still got a job. Back. He's still yeah. got a job in the NFL somehow, yeah. Yeah. You know, do, doing whatever. But, <laughs> but you know, it's it, it's not an exact science. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's just not. It's so, so hard to predict. So that's why I love what the Bengals are doing, and they're taking proven guys. And filling the void by just paying for the production. Just take care of it. Right. You you got to stop leaning on development 
especially when the window is wide open. That and that's the biggest thing, and that's what I love so much about. I know I keep going back to, it, but I'm 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 seriously, Santor, I am shocked that they. I, I said they needed to get three guys in offensive line. I was like, I was like, I'm kind of like you were a pound table. We need to have three guys, you know. And I didn't think they would. I thought it might be two, you know. And I thought it might have been like a guard and a and a tackle or a center, and they moved Trey Hopkins to to guard or, or something like that. I was, I was thinking always there. Like, I didn't really think they get three, but for mm-hmm. them to actually go out and get three guys who are, if you look at the PFF grades, I, I had them somewhere, but their PFF grades are so much higher than the guys we had before. It's, it's ridiculous. And for them to, to, I mean, completely fix it is such a huge momentum Home run shift. I mean, what? I mean, just just the statement they make for the fan base, the statement they they make for Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, the the guys in the room. You know, that is a huge statement. You think they were confident before? Just wait till they, wait till this next year. What they have an offensive line that they know that they can they can they can do more plays than they used to. Like Zach Taylor could call more plays. Zach Taylor doesn't have to go. Okay, we can't do this with five step drop. Because we can't protect. Okay, we can't run to the right side because we know we can't run block. We we will be able to do that. Whatever Zach Taylor wants to call this year, we're going to be able to call because we have a, an offensive line that can finally freaking block. <laughs> right, and a lot of people, for lack of a better term, bitch about Zach Taylor's play calling. And I, I understand it. I hear it. I know where it's coming from. But when you don't trust the guys on the field. Thank you. That's what I've been saying. It's really, really and- hard. And you had a quarterback coming back from a knee injury, and you had a center coming back from a knee injury. Like he was limited in what he could do, and he didn't know what Joe could do, especially at the beginning of the year. I'm like, the other thing that I'm I'm really you're, hoping to see you're, you're, you and me are on the same wavelength as far as, as the play call. I, I would that would drive me so so nuts when people get so mad about that. You know, he he does make some questionable decisions and some stuff at Everybody times. Everybody does, but yeah, you know, That's, it's it's no more than any other coach. The issue right. is, as a Bengal fan, yes. you're hyper focused on one like micro fraction of the NFL, which is mm-hmm. just the Bengals. Right. Go watch a fucking Lions game <laughs> and tell me Zach Taylor's a bad play caller. <laughs> it's you. You need to understand that no one's gonna hit it a hundred percent. Yeah, every single time they run on second and ten, we roll our eyes. Well, guess what? They call three plays in the huddle, and it's up to Burrow. So if you're pissed at Zach, <laughs> you know, right? You know, you can redirect that too. But you know, one of the things that you said that I really love is what is the statement to Joe Burrow? They're going mm-hmm. out and fixing all this shit because mm-hmm. all Joe Burrow heard, and don't ever believe an athlete doesn't hear anything. Oh, Joe Burrow now. hears everything, oh, yeah, especially okay? now. Dude. You can't not hear right. All Joe Burrow heard coming out of LSU up to the draft is they're cheap. They're not going to win. They're not going to protect you. Right. Mm-hmm. They went defense heavy those first two years. And I get why defense is, you know, they, a quarterback's best friend. We were historically, uh, historically, histo- I'll say it again, historically bad defense. Marvel right. last year. They had so, so much to fix. Go ahead. Sorry. And, and, and right away, that should have kind of given them an inkling because they dropped like $146 million, that free agency. Mm-hmm. So then you have the next year, right? And Burroughs hurt. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they go out and they get this offensive line. They, all they've done since Burroughs get here, 
since he's gets here. Wow, I can't speak. All they've done since he's gotten <laughs> well, here. Well, we've been talking for an hour, so it gets a little harder after a while. <laughs> it's the hour and maybe my drink or whatever. But, um, you know, it, all, all they've done since he's gotten here is rewrite every single narrative mm-hmm. that you could have possibly said about Cincinnati. Everything. And the final piece was that offensive line. Mm-hmm. And you know what's even crazier is it's not like they spent a fortune. Right. And that, they just went out and they just right. got the pieces. Yes. So you could even say, you know, oh, they still didn't spend on the offensive line. Well, you know oh. what? They 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 did what they kind of do. They they didn't overpay for a guard. The Patriots they, never spend any money. No. Uh, let's be honest. They, they always call the Bengals. The Patriots never spend any money. They don't. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, but – they, they did it within the rules that they want to do it. They're comfortable spending X amount of dollars per certain position, and they found quality pieces. Mm-hmm. The thing that I hate more than anything, you know, free agency rolls around. Oh, Brandon Scherf's available. We got to pay him 18. Shut up. <laughs> You're going to screw up everything if you back up a truck for one guy. Right. Yeah, okay? exactly. Go down, make a list. And I do this every single year. Use the stats you want to use for offensive line. I highly recommend Pro Football Focus. That's what I use. Be- Pro Football Focus is really hard on offensive linemen. So mm-hmm. if it says somebody's a sixty, that, it's not like a sixty and a running back. Bump it up a yeah. little bit. That, that's you why know? I wasn't big on Kappa. I, I'll tell you that right now. That's why I, he was. I was more of like a, a, a Brown or or, or a, a Morgan Moses. So that was somewhere around there is where I was thinking. Because I, I was going by PFF. They didn't have right. Kappa that high. Sorry. No, PFF is brutal to offensive mm-hmm. line. They can have 27 great reps, and if they get blown up, they get destroyed, right? They, they they are heavily weighted on pressure. So if someone's got a, you know, an average to decent looking PFF, you're fine. Like, just that that's the guy, right? So everybody's always infatuated with signing the big name. Don't do that. Create a list. I got a list on my computer of 37 guys between center and interior offensive line and tackle that I wanted the Bengals to go after. I added a couple more as guys got cut or released. The Bengals ended up, I think it ended up at 45 with cuts. The Bengals ended up getting three of those guys. That sounds like, oh yeah, no, there's 45. You just need to get three of them. Well, there's 45, well, but I, there's 32 I, teams that all need two to three guys. How did you know? Well, you said they got two of those, two to three guys, right? So, so Lyle Collins wasn't on that list. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I was like, well, how did you account? Never mind. No, but I, I had um, I had Karis and I had Kappa on there, and mm-hmm. I separated by tier. They were both tier one or tier two guys for me. I'm not super strict. I'm kind of like, you know, if, if they can kind of get in and do the job, I'm, I'm good to go. Um, <laughs> right. I, I take off guys that look too expensive. I take off guys that are over the age of 30, and I was able to shimmy it down to about 40 guys, which is kind of where everybody's going to be targeting between the ages of 26 and 29. And solid PFF grades. Don't if people say people don't use PFF, you're lying. The NFL uses PFF. I can guarantee you, they don't use it like as their Bible, but right. they use it. Right. You know, and you know well, the, the, the fact is, is, the is fact that they were able to get three of those forty to me is astounding. Well, the thing is, is there's thirty two teams, <laughs> and the thing is, is, is it's smart. I mean, I don't, you know, it's not cheap. It's freaking smart. Like you just said, you don't want to spend all your money on one guy. If it because because me, I mean, I'll, I'll admit it when I first came came out after the Super Bowl, I'm like, all right, I got you know, kind of do a show every day, <laughs> so I had to find something to talk about. So I started looking up stuff on PFF, like, oh, Arson, that'd be great, let's get him. Oh, sure, that'd be cool. I was that guy, 
You know, for, first of all, I'm saying, I was like, yeah, well, guys- we always are to start. And right. then you realize that every year the market inflates a little bit more yeah. than you thought yeah. it was going to be. And you, you start backtracking. Yeah. But so the Bengals have done, uh, I'll call it the two for one. Mm-hmm. The Bengals have done an unbelievable job at two for ones for the last, I don't know, three to four years now. Go back, um, go back to when William Jackson was going to be a free agent. And everybody's free. Oh my God, we're going to lose William Jack. First off, what did William Jackson do the last year and a half of his life? Right. Not a damn thing. Right. Okay. What did we get for William Jackson? Oh, we got Eli Apple and Awuzie. Yep. And, you know, I, you could even throw Trey Waynes in that mix for what it's worth. They got three guys. And we got three guys for the price of Brandon Scherf. Mm-hmm. I mean, for whatever we they did. Pay, we, uh, for the cost that Jacksonville pay, paid Brandon Scherf. We got three guys for pretty damn close to that same amount of money. Right. And, you know, if you're wanting to go off PFF again, all three of those guys graded right next to or higher than Scherf. Right. You got the same quality for, I mean, if you want to be just an average mean about it, a third of the price. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not, everybody would call that being cheap. It's being smart. Smart. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's smart. And and that, that, but that goes back to the thing we were talking about earlier where they have to be smart with their money because they're going to have to pay Joe Burrow. They're going to have to pay T Higgins. They're going to have to pay Jamar to keep these guys. I mean, those are three. If they want to keep all three of those. They're going to cost a lot of money. They got to be able to figure it out somehow. And st- that starts now. And that's why we get somebody on in the, the chat crew say, why are you talking about this now? You have to start thinking about that now because it's going to happen. If you are not constantly looking two to three years in the future, let your head coach worry about now. Right. If you are not constantly looking at your roster two to three years ahead of time, you're you're screwed. Right. Call it what it is. You're, you're going to get in a situation where you spent too much money and you are in cap hell and you've got to restructure and keep kicking the can. You turn into the New Orleans Saints and you don't have a quarterback anymore. And, you know, Mike Thomas is bitching about not getting enough. It's just – it's a nightmare. You've got to constantly be looking ahead. You have to. If you don't, you're screwed. Yeah, and that's where I, I I feel that's what the Bengals are doing. I mean, you know, one thing you you say what you want about Mike Brown and his money, he's very smart with his money. It, Katie is very smart with his money. All of them are very smart with their money, and that's not a bad thing, long as no. you are willing to spend some of it, which he's doing now. I I know they get a bad reputation, and there was about a thirty year period where it was rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, but look at the last three to four years. This is probably the new norm moving mm-hmm. forward. The mm-hmm. Bengals operate in patterns. They've given us three consecutive years of this pattern. It's safe to say this is kind of how they're going to operate for the foreseeable future. It's safe to say this is not Mike Brown anymore. This is Katie, Duke, Troy, and you know the Brown kids running this at this point. Yep. yep. With that being said, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> It happens sometimes. No, but um, no, this is what I'm saying. I got it now. We're good. We're good. We're good. Um, they're all highly, highly intelligent. A lot of them are lawyers. They went to Ivy League schools. These are not dumb people. They may have wanted to operate under their own terms, and maybe they were stubborn and didn't want to evolve with the way the NFL has gone, and they right. still do some things that are a little bit behind, but they're not dumb. Don't ever let anybody tell you the Brown family is dumb. They're probably some of the smartest people in this entire region, not just city, but region. They know exactly what they're doing, how to do it, how to look ahead of time. They're business people, they're lawyers, they're accountants. They know their shit. You just have to trust that now that this is the Katie Duke and Troy show, that this is the way it's going to continue. 
And if the last three years have shown us anything, Katie Duke and Troy can take a two-win team into the Super Bowl in 18 months. <laughs> You're in good hands. That gets me so excited. <laughs> All right, Santor, I, I appreciate it, man. You've been on for an hour and 11 minutes, man. So I could keep doing this all day, man, but I I, got, I probably need to go see my family. But tell everybody about your podcast. You got to drop it tonight, tonight right? Yeah, we're going to drop it tonight. I got to do a little bit more editing. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty unique podcast. It's called Rally Round the Natty. It's me and my father. Um, it's basically just some back and forth banter. We're going to try and get some calls going eventually like this, but it, we hope it's a unique spin on things. Um, being that I'm 28 and my dad's like a hundred years old, um, <laughs> you know, th there's definitely that boomer versus millennial kind of thing in there. You know, I'll talk about this. He'll complain about that. I'll tell him to shut up, whatever it's going back and forth, but it's going to be once a week. It's going to be on Tuesdays. The big thing that I want to get across is every single month we do a, um, a donation for the month, every single month. This month we have chosen uh, the Ken Anderson Alliance, which is a foundation that helps out with autism. Uh, very close to my heart. My brother's autistic. So, you know, I've always tried to kind of cater toward that realm if I ever did something. But every single month we're going to do um, a GoFundMe. Proceeds go straight to the donation that we're going to do. We've got it set up that way. I don't profit off of it. I don't keep any of the money. Um, if you donate a dollar, you're automatically put into a raffle. Um, first place every month for the raffle is a hoodie. Uh, we make our own hoodies uh, here at the studio. Uh, second place is like a coffee mug or you know something. My wife's real crafty; she can make all that crap. I don't know. Um, you know, um, and the big thing is, if you donate ten dollars at any month during the year, right up until November thirtieth you are automatically wrapped, entered into a raffle for a jersey um, from Cook's, like one of the nice like $300 custom ones. Ooh. I will put forth a voucher. You know, it comes straight out of my own pocket. We're not making any money out of this. $10 gets you put in an automatic raffle. You know, you tell me what you want. You know, if you want like one of the 90s jerseys with Uno on the back and a one, Jamar Chase, what I got it. I, we got it covered. The goal is to raise awareness for all these charities. So we hope it's going to be fun, a little back and forth, father and son, and try to, uh, you know, try to raise some money for some communities. That sounds awesome. That sounds that sounds. I'll definitely have to check it out uh, to, uh, tonight when you get, when you drop it. I want to do this real quick. I want to do this five dollars super chat I got from Rowdy every lap. He says uh, T Higgins isn't all about the money as long as he is offered a fair extension. He resigns. No way he's leaving. He loves Burrow. I don't know, man. I mean, I, money talks, dude. I mean, <laughs> I, I agree with you to a certain point, but I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you think about that? Money talks, man. Yeah. You know, all, all these guys, money talks. Yeah, Everybody's got their own prerogative, and that's fine. I, I never blame a free agent for leaving to chase money. Um Especially but football we, players, man. They, but, they got so well, their career's short. They got to yeah. secure the bag and take care of their family. They got a yeah. chance to do something a lot of people don't. But with that being said, we can offer him a fair extension to be a two. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to give him number one money. Rob says we're acting like we won't pay him, though. Yeah, I think they're going to pay him. But like I said, I, I, they're, they're, they're going to pay him it. to be a number two receiver. You, you can't pay for two number ones and a quarterback and a line and a defense. You start having to cut. If, if they can pay him to be a number one, great. But I don't necessarily see he and Jamar both getting $35 million contracts. 
I mean, the thing is, whatever you pay T, you know Jamar's going to want more than that. I mean, right. it, just he, because he's the, the one. It's, I, I look at it as 1-1-A. One, one I don't really think we have a, a distinct one. But. Well, you, you have to be smart with your money. Like we said, you can't just necessarily say, oh, we're going to pay him all the money, then we're going to pay him all the money. T's going to get first wide receiver, wide receiver one, whatever you want to call it, XC, whatever. He's going to get those offers on the market, and he knows that. The Bengals are going to have to pay him like a one to keep him. I don't think he's taking a discount for Joey B. You would be out of your mind. Unless well, they go on a run and start winning three and four championships. Let's let's start that next year. That, that sounds good to me. Oh. <laughs> right. Rowdy doesn't want us to get off. He keeps giving me super chats here. Hang on a second here. <laughs> uh, okay, he's got a $2 super chat. Thanks for that. Uh, salary cap goes up to $100 million next year. I he, haven't he keep, heard that number. He keeps say, saying that. I'm like, I don't know if that's true. I know it goes the number. Up. I it, it's currently at 208. I haven't read the CBA in a while, but typically it goes up about 10 to 15 percent every year. The number that I've seen over the next two to three years is somewhere around 250 to 260, and that's where we're getting that 35 million dollar number. Mm-hmm. Um, because like we said earlier, uh, wide receivers traditionally get 10 percent. Um, now they're getting about 13 to 14% and 14% of 250. Oh God. Mathlete time. <laughs> Mathlete time. It's 35 right on the dot. How about that? Ding, 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 ding. There's your number. <laughs> We're not making this shit up. It's percentage yield, man. <laughs> so there you go. So that's, that's, that's projection where it's, it's going to be at probably so i mean that but the thing is like some here in here said we're not keeping tb two guys that i i love that i know won't be here for a long term is tyler boyd and mixon well mixon is i love mixon but when his contract's up he's 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 going on he's moving on well here's the deal his cash and cap hit i think for the final year of his contract i looked it up the other day was like 13 or 14 million ah uh, no sorry the one that i could see possibly staying is boyd because with the cap going up the way it is, Boyd's final cap hit is about $8 million. $8 million for a good slot receiver, who at the time I think is only going to be 28, 29 when that contract's up. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad deal. That, that's something I could stomach. It just depends how everything else is going with the roster. If they've got a clear space, he could be on the chop block. If they don't have to, I don't mind keeping that. I mean, you just paid... I mean, just, let's just be relative about it. You just paid Lael Collins $10 million a year. Tyler Boyd, eight a couple years from now after the caps exploded, doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, exactly. Rob said that's why everyone's holding out taking long-term contracts, not for 10%. Right. So there you go. All right. I seriously, I'm going to let you go this time, as long as nobody gives, gives a super chat. But, again, check out uh, Santor's uh, podcast, Rally Around the Natty. A lot of the, the proceeds, all the proceeds that he, he can get goes to the Ken Anderson Alliance. You can get a jersey. I'm like, I'm in. I want to get a jersey. I love jerseys. I'm wearing one right now. So we uh, Our official Twitter is at Rally Round the Nat, at Rally Round Natty. The GoFundMe is in the bio. Like I said, $1 donation automatically gets you in for the monthly rally, or uh, monthly raffle. <laughs> the, hey, you caught the monthly rally. There you go. That might be yeah, a, the, a little catchphrase. $10 donation gets you in for the raffle for a custom jersey of your choice down from Cooks. I'll go down there with you. I'll hand deliver it, whatever. Um, and that winner will be picked. Beard and um, all will show up. 
Yeah, Beard and all. <laughs> it's uh, that'll be picked, I think, around the last week of November. So there's plenty of time to get some money in there. It's for a good cause. I don't keep a dime of it. I don't need it. This is all just for the community. There you go. Sounds good. Check them out. We are definitely going to have to have you on again. And and yeah, this is great. I'm you you. I'm, I'm definitely going to have you. I knew you were good when you're on Bengals and Brew. So I knew I wanted to have you on. So anyway, I appreciate you, brother. Take it easy. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You have a great night. You do. Who day? Who day? All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed it because that was really good. <laughs> I knew he was good, but wow, that's that was a lot. A lot of uh, awesome information there. From Santor. So go check out, like I said, go check out his podcast. Him and his dad rally around the natty. Uh, the proceeds that uh, they're trying to donate money or generate money for the Ken Anderson Alliance. So that's a good thing. So go check that out. And there's all kinds of great podcasts jumping popping up here in Cincinnati, uh, mostly about the Bengals because Bengals are really good. So anyway, I'm gonna get the heck on out of here. Let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And as always, I appreciate every single one of them. They are Houday Nation, Houday Legion, Cincinnati Reds, rounding third, heading for home. The Ohio State Bucknuts, Bearcat Ruckus, Bearcat Country, The Ice Bar, and then you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. You can find all of them under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I will be pulling off the sound later on tonight. We're at an hour and 21 minutes. If I keep talking, it might be an hour and a half, but I'll put it on the podcast later on tonight. It'll be on Beanpod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. I would love to get to 1,000 downloads. I would love to get to 1,000 uh, viewers on my shows. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors about Sports Strawberry Ice with the podcast, uh, the YouTube channel, you know, the Twitter page. Like I got over 2,000 people following me on Twitter. If you're watching this on Twitter and you have not, subscribe to my channel or have not subscribed to the podcast please do so i would greatly appreciate it youtubers like i said we're at 1535 subscribers that is awesome we're rolling to 2000 hopefully we get 2000 to 2000 by the time the football season rolls around i am so excited about the bengals this year like i said they completely fixed the offensive line and, and i i like if you guys ever watch my show you know, I kept saying, what are they going to do in the draft? I said, I don't know. They had to fix the O-line. They had to fix it this year. They had to fix it this year. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Last year, I was okay with what they did because Jamar Chase is a once-in-a-lifetime wide receiver. They had Riley Reef. They tried it with, with, uh, with Jackson Carmen. I think Jackson Carmen is going to be our left tackle, or excuse me, our left guard. I think he'll be fine, which if he's the only one we have to worry about, Fine. <laughs> That's cool with me. I love Quentin Spain. I wouldn't mind if they bring him back and, and let him battle it out. But from all accounts, it doesn't seem like that's what's going to happen. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Either way, we got one issue. And I don't even say it's an issue. We have one competition spot on our offensive line. That's it. Three new guys. Our offense is going to be consistent. One of the biggest pet peeves people kept asking me last year is one of our offense Going to get consistent. One or offensive line gets consistent. It's going to be consistent. Joe Burrow is going to actually be able to have a five-step drop. <laughs> I didn't think they even thought about that <laughs> last year, the last couple of years. And Zach Taylor is going to be able to call whatever the hell he wants. He doesn't have to compensate for Joe Burrow's knee. He doesn't have to compensate for uh, Trey 
Hopkins need. He doesn't have to compensate for the offensive line not being able to block. He doesn't have to compensate for, for Joe Mixon not being or having to make his first cut in the backfield. It's fixed. I can't emphasize this enough. This is huge, 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 huge. We go in the draft, we can draft best player available. That's awesome. We can trade back. Best player available. This is where you want to be. You want to be in this position every year to draft the best player available. That helps you. You can develop guys. It helps your depth. helps you replace guys. This is awesome. Man, I, can't, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get cold again, but I'm ready for football. <laughs> I'm so ready for football. Anyway, this was a great show today. Again, my thanks to Santor. Uh, uh, he, he was awesome. I got either I either got Dale on tomorrow or I got Blake Jewel on tomorrow. I'm not sure. Kind of up in the air which one's coming on. But it will be another great show tomorrow. Please make sure you check it out. And as always, other than that, that's just sports, baby. See ya!